Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Well, hello, parents. It's Richard and Linda, and we are on the road, Linda. We are definitely on the road. We're back from Bear Lake, and we actually have been up there with some wonderful friends that we'll be talking about a little bit later. Yeah, you usually hear us saying who we've been speaking to and trying to help with their parenting. Just the opposite. This road trip, we've been with other parents we admire, getting a lot of good ideas from them, and having a pretty good time. Every, You know, every once in a while, Linda, even busy grandparents and parents need to take a little break and go somewhere and be with people they enjoy being with. Friends are so enriching and, wow, it's so inspiring to be with great people. We have really been so lucky to have such good friends. In fact, let's let's go on that note for just a few minutes here. Do you... You evaluate yourself as a parent and as a couple or as a single parent, if that's the case. And a lot of your evaluation is going to center on how good a parent you are and what you're doing for your children and whether you're meeting their needs. Have you taken enough time, though, to say, what am I doing for myself? What am I doing to nourish my own needs as a parent? And it behooves all of us to remember the obvious adage every once in a while that you can't draw from an empty well. And if you're not meeting your own needs and stimulating your own mind and being around people that inspire you or that give you insights and additional sort of ideas, then maybe it's yourself you need to work on rather than your kids. You know, I I had such good friends in high school. I'm, sh- I'm sure everybody has different experiences, but... You know, starting with that time when I felt safe with friends, and I didn't always in elementary school. Um, starting then, though, I feel like friends have been a huge part of my life, going on through college, and then of course you're my best friend. You know. But oh, thank you, Linda. That was a nice. That was a nice addition to my life. So, yeah, I remember once when we were dating, you told me I was your friend, and I nearly broke my heart. I said, I don't want to be your friend. <laughs> That's a horrible thing to say to me. <laughs> But I kind of like it now. But, you know, it is true that uh, if you, and we see this happen with a lot of young couples. They're they're quite social and they have friends. And then they get married and have a couple of kids and their life becomes so centered on those children. And, of course, it should do. But if it goes to excess and you start getting into the syndrome of, well, I'm all about my kids and I don't have time for friends anymore, you suffer for that. And, And, frankly, your kids probably suffer for that because adult human beings are not made to function only with relating to little kids, even if you love them more than anything else in the world. You need an outlet. Yeah, I think women need other really good women friends and men need other friends that are men, but I think you also need friends that you know together. In fact, we were one of these couples we were with this weekend was just saying, that um, they really had to work at that because they were so attached to their friends when they got married, they really need to establish friendships with friends that they both knew that they had met since they knew each other. Yeah, that is a big issue for some. He's got his friends. You've been married a couple of years. He wants to hang out with his old buddies. She wants to hang out with her good girlfriends. And none of those girlfriends and guy friends even know each other. And so what are you going to do as a couple? And it's sort of 
a good way to look at it, a positive way, is it opens up a new challenge, develops some couple friends that you both like, and hopefully they both like you. You know, it really is a fun thing. Um, and I, there were years when we didn't do much with friends. And we kind of regret it in some ways, although we look at our kids with a lot of kids, and they do a lot of things with a lot of friends. They probably do better than we did. Maybe That's right. we had more kids. Well, they were, well, they're more likable than we were, you know, so we have to take that into account. But um, anyway, we're going to kind of visit on that theme a little, on the theme of friends. And then a little later in the show today, we are going to see if we can get you to really do some heavy-duty thinking about two little words that we use a lot, the end and the means. What is the end? What is what is the means? Um, a lot of people in this modern world have a really difficult time differentiating between something that is an end in itself and something that they're doing because it leads to a more desirable end. And that sort of means and end thinking can be very, very, very tricky. In fact, I'm going to tell you a little story right now about uh, another road experience we had. Just this last week, we were in Vail, Colorado, with a retreat, a retreat of some parents who wanted to reassess their lives and do a little reevaluation and try to be introspective about uh, how the family part of their life was going. And so they did, and they invited us to come and be their their discussion leaders. I was going to say guest speakers, but it was something much more than that. We wanted to get in a discussion with them. And somehow the discussion gravitated to this whole business of what is the means and what is the end. And we started posing questions to them. We said, um, what about your business? These were all business. They all owned their own businesses. So we said, what uh, about your business? Is that a means or an end? And there was a, quite a discussion. Some said, well, it better be an end. I'm spending, you know, 80 hours a week on it. And then in, in one case, one of the wives said, well, no, it's not an end. It's it's a means to an end because the reason we work is to support our family. Our family is really the end. And so there was quite a discussion. And, uh, you know, so, and then we said, well, what about, uh, what about uh, your golf game? Is that a means or an end? What about, um, you know, your church? Is your church a means or is it an end? And it led to just a really fascinating discussion. And what finally ended up sort of being concluded by this very diverse group of people, I mean totally diverse, they were not all of the same religion, they were not um, all from the same area, they were, they were quite a diverse group. But despite their diversity, they essentially came around to the same conclusion, which was the family is the end. That's the goal. That's what we do everything else for. And man, once they got to that conclusion, it was like unanimity prevailed. They were, they were saying, you know, even our church is a means to an end in the sense that we are here doing things 
to try to support this family that is really the ultimate end in almost everything that we do. So it was really a fascinating discussion. And then we contrasted that a little bit with uh, the group we were with just recently, all of whom have come to that conclusion a long, long time ago. And, and, sort, and what a blessing if you've gotten to the point in your life where you know what matters most to you and you therefore can orient the other things you do and pigeonhole them in your mind as means to that end. And, but, but again, what I, what I was just really sort of struck with was that this very sort of diversified group, people who didn't have a lot in common, came to this unified conclusion that there really is one and, and that is family. Now, of course, they meant family in, in the capital F sense. They, they meant their marriage. They meant their kids. They meant their extended family. Basically, they meant family relationships were the end, and that everything from their career to even their church was a means to that end. And, and that's a, it's a, a stimulating discussion, and I think they came to the right conclusion. Well, I think these parents that we saw there... And Vale were really great parents to start out with. They were. Well, they were committed. That's why they were they totally committed. Yeah. And and but they just wanted to be better. They wanted some ideas and so on. But to listen to them talk was so interesting because they they just they knew that they were on the right track, but they just hadn't really considered that that family is everything. I, do you think we convinced them by the time we left? Well, I think they really came to that. I mean, we, we saw our role as more of discussion leaders, and we, we didn't go in with it. What's interesting is that wasn't even what we were planning to, to speak about, that, that the discussion went in that direction. And it was actually a great – we had them for two days, and that, that was the sort of whole first day ended up being about – you could call it the philosophy of life. What is the what is the essence? What matters? What does everything else support? And what it really did is it set a great groundwork for the next day where we ended up talking about parenting techniques and, you know, things that you can do to support that prime thing in your life, namely your family. And interestingly, these were a group of friends. And I think yeah, you mentioned that. I mean, they were just all, they'd known, known each other very well. They were what in what they call a forum. So they meet once a month. The guys, at least, did. And then the wives just joined them for this trip. But they all knew each other very well. But to just really focus in on family while they were there is, was just really fascinating. And we could see how committed they were. But they just, they, they were so great about grabbing the direction and going with it because you could tell they adored their kids and they wanted and the bottom line is they wanted to leave a legacy they were all very wealthy they had plenty of resources they could do anything they wanted with their lives and when you say one, legacy one, to yeah. them just lights go on in their eyes and it's so fun to see that they really believe that is important well want. you know actually i'm glad you mentioned that word Linda, legacy because that's a, another way to approach the same subject I mean, if you if you don't like the terminology of means and ends, another way to look at it, another another paradigm in which to approach it is say, what is the legacy you want to leave, and then go through things. Do you want your legacy to be your business that you leave to your kids? Do you want your legacy to be your golf game and the the time you got a hole in one or the time you 
you you know broke eighty is that is that your legacy, or was your legacy going to be you know that you were a great uh, teacher in Sunday school? All those things are reasonable legacies. They're all they're all something that you know might be considered worthy. But the conclusion of this very diversified group was. When all is said and done, your legacy is your family. Your legacy is your children. And I think it's so important to think about what you're doing right now and how that is going to play out in your kids' lives. What are they going to remember about you? Um, we had a yoga class this morning by a yoga teacher. She just mm-hmm. happened to be one of, the, was one one of, of our, our friends. friends. Little did we know that she knew yoga. Yeah, we didn't even know that. But, wow, was she a really great yoga teacher. But in the end, we started talking about, after we finished, we started talking about exercise and how important exercise was. And and everybody kind of went through what their mothers had done to exercise, what they remembered about their mother exercising or their father exercising, because in the end, uh, the health legacy comes from your parents. And it was so interesting, but it kind of was startling to me, thinking, oh, shoot, I don't think my kids are going to remember me (laughs) uh, having too many... uh, athletic activities, (laughs) although I try to take care of myself, but I'm not athletic. Well, let's take a little break, and then we'll be back for the second half of the show, and we'll, we'll continue with these sort of dual themes, which will converge, and one of them is friends, and the other one is leaving a legacy. And here we are. We're out of the car now. We were driving back from this outing with our friends, and they dropped us off, and we came in during the break, and now it's probably a little more quiet, and we can get back to this really interesting question of leaving a legacy. You know, Linda, I don't think most young parents are thinking very much about legacy. They really don't have time. But it's amazing how... 50-year-olds start thinking that the word legacy starts being a really meaningful word. What am, what am I going to leave behind? When I'm gone, what's going to be here? It's so true. And, you know, we get this word from our wonderful friend, Stephen Covey. Many of you listening will know him and will have heard him talk about how important leaving a legacy is. And we so totally agree because... You know, we're actually working on a a book right now about our family history and not in the normal sense of the word, but just because we... What are you saying? Our family's not normal, Linda? No, we're totally crazy. (laughs) Totally. And so it isn't very normal. But what we've decided to do is write a chapter about a chapter of our lives. What happened? We went up to Oregon one summer and built a log cabin when our kids were just little. It was absolutely insane. Um, we had a few logs brought in, and then the kids actually um, skinned the logs, and we lifted the logs together and had all this fun, and, and we were out there in the wilderness. and Wait, do you think TV. that log cabins are legacy? Is that what you're saying? I'm, no, <laughs> no, because nobody goes there anymore. But the memories of doing that is just quite amazing. So what we've done is ask the kids to send in what they remember. And those memories are so valuable because there are things that we didn't know they were thinking about what we were doing. And we didn't realize how that affected them. And it affected each kid in a different way. And I think we need to realize that as we go through life, even just the routine stuff of going to school, the morning routine, that they'll remember that. I mean, 
hopefully they won't remember the moments when you were a witch as I was so many mornings on school days. No, but, but I think you are saying, I think this is very, very important, Linda. I think what you really are saying is that, uh, you know, you might think of a memory as kind of an ethereal thing. It's not even a real thing. It's just some something in your mind or in someone else's mind. How could it be that important? But in fact, memories really are the legacy. I mean, we say the legacy is our children. Well, yeah, that's that's the embodiment of our legacy, and they're... They're the, the physical human beings that go on and that, that sort of immortalize us in a way after we're gone. That That is one way to look at a legacy. But what would that be worth without the memory? It's the memory, the memories you create that really sort of become the essence of the legacy. Now, it centers in your children, but memories are so important. And I... You know, you've all heard it's almost a cliche. Are we going to make memories? Or what? Uh, sort of a measurement of, of was this a good family activity or was this a good vacation or whatever. So a lot of times people will, rightly so, the measurement of it will be, well, did we make any memories? Did we make lasting good memories? And I'm always reminded of this story we heard once, and it's probably apocryphal or not apocryphal but it's probably a story that has happened many times so it's not altogether unique but I like the simplicity of this version of it where you know it's a modest family without very much means and they they use that word means again meaning the money they have to support their family and and the, the parents say to the kids hey we've got uh, you know, I think it was mainly the husband and wife made this decision, but we've got a little money. Finally, finally, after all these years of saving, we've got a little extra money. And we really need a second bathroom. Oh, my gosh, we've got several kids, and we're all in one bathroom in this little house, and we think maybe the money we've saved, finally, after all these years of not being able to save, it might be enough to build a little second bathroom. But the other thing is we could go on our first family vacation. In all these years, we've not been able to afford it, and now maybe we can. So here's the dilemma. Do we do the practical thing, the responsible thing, the the obligation thing, and build another bathroom, or do we do the flighty sort of irresponsible sort of crazy thing and go on a vacation. <laughs> well, you know the end of the story, you're way ahead of me. Um, they went on the vacation and they made memories and those kids will have those all their life and who cares they didn't have another bathroom, right? Do you believe that? Ask yourself, is that a good story or not? You know, um, we've told that story so many times in the past. I haven't heard you tell that story for a long time. The funny part of that is we have a daughter has four children in one bathroom. That's right. <laughs> and they uh, they have gone on a lot of adventures, and we don't know how they're surviving, especially <laughs> when we are guests, and so that, that makes six, and then there um, somebody else is there, and that makes eight. And, um, I mean, that makes eight and then ten. And it really is wild that they can get along just fine with one bathroom. In fact, we have a friend whose daughter has, they just had their sixth child in one bathroom. And they're just too busy doing other things to make that important. I mean, to me, that is 
real courage. That is really leaving yeah. everything, which I'm not sure. <laughs> we, need, we need to tell them that a few times because it is funny. Your perspective changes, and now that we're the grandparents, we're like, uh, build a bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> but then we have to remind ourselves, wait a second. Is that we just because we would like yeah. to be comfortable when we go there? Yeah. Do we want to build a bathroom for us if you want us to come and visit anymore? No. I think I think we have to remind ourselves that, Linda, we we didn't build a bathroom. We made the choice to uh, make memories. And or, Do we regret that in any way? Yeah, no, not at all. I don't think so. And, uh, I mean, we did have more than one bathroom, but um, we didn't have a lot of luxuries that a lot of people had with kids that, um, the same ages as ours, and we weren't fine with that. And I don't know, the kids were really proud to bring their kids home to our house. It was a little bit mm-hmm. rambler and just as plain as can be. But I think the memories we made together in that house make it worth everything. In fact, when we first moved to England, gosh, that was a lot of years ago, 35 years ago, we moved there for three years. And when I'm telling how many years ago things were. I know, I know. It sounds, it's a long time ago. But anyway, when we got there, I just hated our couch. Oh, my gosh. We had to just, we moved into a house that you lose somebody else's, and and we didn't have any control over what the furniture was like. And I hated this couch. It was so hideous. And after three years, I was so excited about taking that couch home because so many memories were built on that couch, so many good things that happened in the house in that amount of time. So I think sometimes we have no idea what our kids are really going to remember, but we need to think about it a little bit. And are they going to remember you always being that? In fact, I have to say that I did, uh, as some of you know, I wrote a book when uh, all the kids were home called I Didn't Plan to Be a Witch. And last year, when we were writing this family history, I asked all the kids if they could remember me being a witch. I said, you know, I won't hurt my feelings. Just tell me, can, can you remember? Tell me about the times you remember when I was a witch. And it was amazing. A couple of them remembered a couple little incidents, but they did not remember most of the times that I was One of them remembered you cut loose with a swear word once. <laughs> That's true. Now the word's out. Oh, my gosh. Linda Iyer swore once. Oh, my gosh, that's true. I've never forgotten that. that This child thought for sure I was doomed forever. And I don't (laughs) know where that came from, except that my mom used to let loose once in a while. And uh, so, honestly, it really is interesting to think now, what are my kids going to remember? What can I do? that will really be memorable to them. And as I said before, sometimes it's just the routine in the morning. But, you know, you won't remember that every single day somebody can't find their shoes and every single day somebody can't find their homework or whatever. Uh, What they remember are just the things that are so dear to their hearts. So let me boil down where we've tried to go a little bit with this show. We talked a little about need to have friends and and that's important to your own nourishment. And then we kind of shifted gears into this whole idea of means and ends and legacies. And I think what I'd like to take away from this today is that a lot of times people think of legacies as something an old person has to think about. I'm about to leave this life. What am I going to leave behind? But actually, the thought of legacies should come very early in a family as we think, what memories are we making with our kids, which will accumulate over time and become our legacy. 
Well, I have to add there, though, that grandparents can still change things so that they're leaving a legacy as well right. as they interact with their grandchildren. So no matter what age you are, it's so important to think about what is this going to leave for my legacy and what are kids going to remember about me. So to quote uh, Linda, who's Stephen, uh, to quote uh, <laughs> Linda, quoting our old and late friend, Stephen Covey, let's kind of sign off with his mantra, as it were. I'll say it, Linda, and then you add anything we want, and we're out in about 15 or 20 seconds. Love, learn, and leave a legacy. Good luck on that one. We'll talk to you again soon. See you next time on Ayers on the Road. 